Welcome to Out With Dan, the podcast that spotlights and examines the voices of LGBTQ authors, characters, and our allies. Together, we lift our voices and we tell our stories. I'm Dan White. Join me as I chat with this week's author. Hello, and welcome back to Out With Dan. Today, I'm excited to talk to Kelly J. Ford about The Hunt. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you. I am very excited to be here. I'm There it goes. So it just popped up. I'm excited for you to be here as well. Thank you. I enjoyed this. I found it to be such romantic Southernism. Uh, being from the South, I love that. And I know you're from Arkansas. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. Northwest Arkansas. All right. Is it small up in that area? It is small-ish. So I grew up, it's kind of a weird region. Like there are five distinct geo regions of geographical regions of Arkansas. So <clears throat> Northwest Arkansas is really more hill country. Okay. So it's, it's closer to Oklahoma where I grew up and it's close to Missouri. So, um, yeah, so it's small-ish, but I kind of grew up in the biggest, one of the biggest towns. It was 75,000 people. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and, like, I've, I've lived in the Boston area for a very long time now, um, so it's, it's funny to me now. But it felt so big. <laughs> <laughs> well, I grew up in a town or a village of about 400 people. So that 75,000 is a metropolis. Yeah. So well, I was going to say, I, I, when you mentioned that before, I actually went to high school um, and I graduated with 20 people. So I feel like, I feel like in a way, Dan, I'm a little city mouse, country mouse. Like I've had both experiences. So Wow, 20. That sounds like a private school I went to in the third grade where there were four of us or five of us in the third grade. So, oh my God. Right. And you would cross out like, you know, in the yearbook, it's like if somebody <laughs> dropped out, well, like we would go and cross them out. And so that's how we got to 20. <laughs> like, it wasn't oh. that much more, but we had a lot of dropouts. <laughs> we had we had quite a few my senior year as well. That's that sort of telling of where we grew up. So, you know, yeah. but that is, of course, something that I look for as a reader. And I want to hear that Southern voice and I want mm -hmm. to hear what it's like from your neck of the woods, so to speak. So I learned recently that Elvis was Elvis Presley and not Elvis Presley. And he was very forward about saying, this is the way you pronounce my last name. So the city, your fictional city is, is it Presley or Presley? I say Presley. Okay. I've only known Presley and my stepmom was a huge Elvis fan. So it was always Presley, but also um, Elvis went to boot camp in my hometown at Fort Chaffee. So that's why I always like to do these little Easter eggs that no one but me really. <laughs> I'm like, isn't this fascinating, guys? And they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but it gives you a chance. Yes, of course. So, yeah. And it gives you a chance to share when yeah. asked by somebody kooky like me. So I love that. Yeah. So it's Presley. All right. I totally approve. And so would Elvis. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, which is probably the way I, it's probably the way I would have pronounced it growing up because okay. I, I came from a 
an area with Scottish immigrants and there was a lot of really elongated words mm -hmm. that, you know, four letters that had seven syllables in it. So, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> welcome yeah. to the South. Yeah. So you do something else I want to compliment you on that. I, I love the fact that I might even call you the lies or the secrets queen in your <laughs> writing. You bring, you bring about those things that become so natural in a smaller town. We have it in large cities, but we have it very differently. So in a small town, if someone tells a lie or a twisted truth or tries to hide a secret and it, it becomes larger than life and so many people focus on it. Um, tell a little bit about why that's important to you as an author and what joy or uh, heartache does that bring for you? I love writing about small towns and, you know, I've mentioned before, like you can even have kind of a small town in a big city, right? If you think yes. about neighborhoods. And so, mm -hmm. you know, there's a density difference, but in a small town like that, and I'm thinking about, you know, growing up in a small town in high school, um, rather than my big city of 75,000. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's almost this pressure cooker environment that people find themselves in. And there's there are less places to hide. Yes. So even though it's less dense and you have more where I'm from, more woods and such, you know what what's up with people. It's like that guy down the row. Don't go. Don't go onto his property. You'll get shot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so I think it's also a fascinating thing because rumors can travel and it's part of it. I wonder, it's just, are we all just kind of bored? Yeah. <laughs> like There's nothing else to do. Like I remember growing up, it's like, what are you going to do? You're just going to sit around and talk. You're going to sit around a fire or you're going to go out to someone's house and just, you know, what, what Oh my God. I, Oh, what is that? There's snipe hunting. Right? Yeah. I don't know if you remember <laughs> snipe hunting. I didn't know what that was. So explain what snipe hunting is. So apparently it's this game, this trick that people play on unsuspecting city folk where they take you out to like the woods or some pasture or something. And everybody's like, we're going to go snipe hunting. And you just go and people in the know will be like, snipe, snipe. And you all just go running. And of course, I think most of them were drunk. I was not because I, I was a very good girl in high school. But <laughs> that's the thing. Apparently there is a snipe, but that's not what it was in where I came from. It was just, it was just a way to, to mess with people. To just get them running around a hit field. Again, nothing else to do. to do. That's that's right. That's right. And I would have been that gullible person, even though I grew up in the country. Mm -hmm. I had a few pranks played on me along the way. Right. It had, it, you know, back then I was very sensitive about it. Now it makes me a great prankster because I've learned. Right. <laughs> right. I've learned some things that maybe city people don't know yet. Right. <laughs> I'm going to show think, them. Yeah, and I think... You know, when you grow up in that environment where there's really not much to do, you kind of learn how to self-amuse and you get in a way this very fun spirit, but there's also a dark humor. And I, I think the personalities in small towns are just really fascinating and fun because you you're you're you learn how to work with very little right? yes. in terms of entertainment. Um 
Well, just, and I think we have to find okay. ways to entertain ourselves. And sometimes yeah. I do find that especially money makes mm -hmm. a great deal of difference. Mm -hmm. You can be the most eccentric person on earth in a small town if you have a little money or no money. It's one right. or the other. If you're in the middle, you're just odd. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're yeah. if you're wealthy, you can do anything. Mm -hmm. um, I will tell a cute little story. Miss Della called the furniture company and when they answered. She told them who she was. And she said she wanted page four in the circular. And they said, what do you want on page four? She said, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> that has made a great Why story. Not? <laughs> Why not? But then, of course, the rest of us, we had to buy it on time, one piece at a time. So yep. and it, but there's a big difference in that. And I think that's one of the things that we see in your story. Maybe not Miss Della, but what we see is the difference in those who have and those who don't have. And right. I, I find so often when something happens, so what starts this out sort of as a tragedy that seems to keep happening. And right. the number of people who are willing to understand its ramifications, but the mighty number of people who just ignore the fact mm -hmm. that they're hurting people. Right. Give us an idea of what the hunt is about. Oh, sure. And, and then let's talk about a couple of the characters. Sure. Yeah. And um, so the hunt is is based on a radio station hunt for the golden egg. Every year they have it, but in this small town of Presley, Arkansas, fictional. Um, <laughs> at, but every single year, someone dies around within a week or two of the hunt. And so you have these two factions in town that are kind of at odds, more than at odds, really um, a real controversy with some people, the hunters being, or no, I call them the eggheads, um, who are really into these games mm -hmm. and they want to find the golden egg because there's a $50,000 prize attached to it. And it's so large because they had to, to pause the game during the pandemic. And so you have this other group of people who are saying, this is a tragedy. There's something going on, whether or not we think there's a serial killer, which a lot of us do, whether or not there's still something going on that people are getting harmed and hurt during this space of time. So we should investigate that. We should look into it. We should stop it. So it's this clash. And so the main characters I have, is, there are two points of view and one from each side kind of at the center of this. And the complication with that is that they are basically work wives at the <laughs> plastic factory where they work. And, um, you know, they're best friends and it's really hard for them. But also the the main character, her brother is the alleged first victim of what people think is a serial killer, the hunter. I found, I, so I do want to highlight the work wives. And I love yeah. that so very much because I, my mom worked in factories for a great deal of my life. And, you know, people in a factory, it is like you said earlier, a pressure cooker. You really can't go out. Factory work is very different than any other work. You yeah. don't go out and take a break when you want to. The bell rings and you take a break when they told you to take yeah. a break. So it's in, it's a little bit like servitude, you know, exactly. and, and 
They had two weeks of vacation. Those were forced, July 4th and Christmas. So I, I saw this plastic plant being the exact same way. And these two women, Nell and Ada, who are best friends at work and factory wives, and then what they go through individually and together is so beautifully woven into Thank this you. story. Thank so you. do you have a factory wife, Kelly? I have to ask. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't. Okay. I did. I did work. Um, I worked in a plastics factory. That's what I worked. Uh, yeah, I worked in a factory in college. I put okay. myself in college. So I worked full time on the second shift, like 4 p.m. to 12 p.m. <laughs> And then I went to school full time, but I actually kind of loved it. Um, so I was more like, I, I was kind of like more in the Ada role. <laughs> I was a press <laughs> operator, but I was an English major. So I was able to read <clears throat> while I waited for the boxes to fill up. So it was actually kind of perfect. But um, yeah, so it's based on that. And I had a, other, another weird factory job where with the microwave screens, Okay. after they painted them black, we took them off the line and we had to poke them with paper clips. So the holes, you know, poke the paint out. Yeah, it was fascinating. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can tell I worked on a farm for a couple of summers and I can confess to you that I am the worst farm helper <laughs> in the entire world. I my concentration was, oh, there's a squirrel. So, yeah. <laughs> right. There is something yeah. nice that uh, in the repetition, but you, yeah. it, it takes a bit of focus or else you're yeah. going to miss the hole to poke. It's true. <laughs> so, but yeah, but I mean, I have, I have worked, I've been working since I was 16. I've, I've rarely had only one job. I've always had something else on the side. Um, so and I've been an office worker since I was like 23, maybe. And so in all these environments, you do have these people that you're just yeah. deeply connected with because you spend so much time with these people. I spent more time with these people than my family, than, you know, relationships. And so it's impossible not to get connected with them. And so many of them are still my closest friends. So I think it's a really unique relationship that I, I haven't read a ton about in books that, and I really, really love workplace fiction. I think there's the dynamics there are just rife with possibility as a writer. I agree with you. And as a reader, it's always fun too, because I've, I've had those relationships with work, you know, that you, you make a friend and you keep them for life. Yeah. But you, you know, in your bubble of wherever that work was, everyone can tell you exactly what it felt like because yeah. you experienced it together. So right. as a reader, it's fun for me because I'm like, oh, I totally recognize where they're coming with that. And on the day that you have a disagreement with your coworker, mm -hmm. you're still stuck in the same bubble that you cannot get out. So right. you either go separate ways forever or you find yeah. a way to make it up. That's that was and that was one of the lovely things about Ada and Nell. I mean, there's you've given these two characters a lot of sandpaper to rub between them, but yet you've also given them something that's really so heartfelt and, and enjoyable to read. Thank you. It was enjoyable to write, to be honest. Good. I like to hear that. So now I'm going to ask a little unique question because that's some of the things that I do. So is there one character that 
you would say is most like you? Or is there one character that you love so much? Because I, I know that every author imbues some of them into each character, yeah. obviously. But is there one that you'd say is more like Kelly? Or is there one that Kelly loves more than the rest? Hmm. That's like Sophie's choice. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I ask it. <laughs> I love them all. Because I, I always feel like if you don't love a character, even the really bad ones, then they shouldn't be in your book because they're not bringing anything. So every single character I really, really love. Um, and I think every single character I write, and I know a lot of other writers have said this, it's like they're pieces of you you know, scattered, but they're also pieces of people you've met and yes. have known or just random, you know, like, like the woman with the full, Della, yes. <laughs> full page ad, right? <laughs> it's like, yes. so we have these little Frankensteins of ourselves and the people we've met like on a page. So I'm, I'm, I'm stalling because I'm trying to think of who my favorite is. Um, I do think it's hard though sometimes because so you are, you know, you, you're having to pick one. So, yeah. you know, I, I put you on the hot spot and you don't have to answer it. So, cause well, I'm still like trying to think and I'm like, I, I, I don't really know. I mean, there so many of them hold a place in my heart because they also almost a lot of my main characters, almost all my main characters have started out in other stories and then I've kind of plucked them out of those stories and blend them together. So they all are kind of like my little, my little friends I've had for what? so long. <laughs> what it is, it's sort of like trying to pick out your favorite uh, stuffed toy. Yeah. Because, you know, they, they play together, sometimes all together, sometimes in little groups. So I totally understand. Yes. That. So I don't know that I'm going to think on it and maybe okay. by the end I'll have an answer. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. I have to look this up because I wrote it down. Rural route carrier. Now I wonder how many people know what that is. <laughs> did I write that in there or did you, you write did? that? I no, did. No, you did. And that's, I, that's why I wrote it down. I'm like, oh, so that's one thing for me. I, I glam on to certain things when I yeah. read a book things that I'm like, oh, I know what that is, or I don't know what, like, I did not know what the snipe hunt was, right. but I do know what a rural route carrier is. So <laughs> what is that? Well, and maybe they call it differently now, but, you know, growing up, it was just, it was, it was the person in like their personal car, the little white, I remember it was a little white pickup. Mm-hmm. And it was their driver's side was like, they were in the UK, so they could reach all the all the mail. And then, um, I don't know. That's just what they, they were. Yes. They, they weren't post people. No. We just well. never called them that because we were on a dirt road and then our mailbox at the time, they, they've entered the new century and now they have it right outside the house at my parents' house. But uh -huh. when I was in high school and junior high, the mailbox was way down the road. And so when it rained, we would have to go get the mail there. And then that also meant for the school bus, it's like walking down a muddy red clay road to mm -hmm. get to the school bus, which sucked, especially when you're in high school. Like who wants to show up with red clay all over their pants? And you're trying to look so cool when you're in high school because it's, it's impossible. impossible. <laughs> it is impossible. <laughs> I, yeah. I know our school bus went down some roads that they don't go down anymore. Yeah, because what they realized yeah. is it was crazy. 
it was an hour and 20 minutes each way to get to high school because we went down every dirt road known to mankind. It takes forever. It takes forever. Now yes. they just say they they have meeting points where the parents have to yeah. drop their children off, which that should be good for your next book. Those school right. meeting points. <laughs> and think about the people like we were talking about the people who can, people who can't. It's like the people yes. like, like my parents, you know, I think at the time we had one car maybe and my dad worked nights. And so it's like, you know what? Your ride is Nikes. Get out. No, we didn't have <laughs> We had whatever was at the Payless. <laughs> so did I actually. Get in your Payless discount shoes and you get walking, lady. Well, that's <laughs> right. It's up in an hour. Get going. <laughs> I look at these kids coming up fighting over tennis shoes. And I'm like, I was just lucky not to get a hand-me-down. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a very different way of life. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it makes me once again appreciate the big city even more because if I want something, I can actually walk and get it now. No. Growing up, that was not a possibility because walking was 15 miles to get something at yeah, the store. So exactly. Like, you don't just go to the store. It's it's in it's effort. And I, I think too, like being away from that for so long because I, I moved to Boston after college. So I was like 22 and um, it's nice to have that perspective. And I think that leaving allows you to see it in different ways and be yes. able to present different viewpoints and kind of see like there's, there's this idea of nostalgia, especially with country, country, right? Look at country music. Like, well, you know, <laughs> I love country music, but I also, do like let's get real y'all but um but you know and it, it, you're able to see the good and the dark and and yes. the creations in between which i think is is fun it's fun as a writer it's fun as a reader i agree with you i know that one time for, i went back for my 20th high school reunion and some of my friends who like i didn't think i had a good time in high school Mm -hmm. You know, once I was away and I went back for my reunion, I realized that I had a lot better time than I thought because, you know, you get things made up in your mind. So like we were talking about lives and twisted truths earlier, you know, we do yeah. that to ourselves as well. Now, when I go back, I can appreciate things. A lot of it is because I know I can go home, which is back yeah. to Los Angeles. So I, I can visit yeah. it. And don't have to live in it. So I would, yeah. I would, right, bye bye, y'all. I would not make it there now just because no. I can't bridle my tongue because I've learned to say whatever I want to. I'm old enough. Yeah. Yeah. I had thought about moving back home recently after a, a relationship, you know, ended. And I was like, well, you know, I could kind of go anywhere. And I was like, I could go back to Arkansas. I could be around my parents and, you know, and then as soon as I started looking at Zillow homes and everything, there was this, this visceral reaction in my body of, oh, that would be like 24 mm -hmm. seven, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. What are you going to, and I just, mm -hmm. as much as I love it, I feel like I can love it because I'm not there. I agree. I same way, same way. So one lovely thing you did, you gave us two queer characters um, that weren't obvious. Right. And I, and I don't care whether someone's flamboyant. That's not what I mean by right. obvious. You're, you had two characters who were queer 
who simply were two characters in your book. And I really did appreciate that very much. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I don't care how I get into a book. I just like to see myself represented. And I thought you did a lovely job with that, Kelly. That was a wonderful thing. Thank you. I have been to that bar in Fort Smith. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I have to say about it. I'm just going to tell you, I was surprised there was a gay bar in Fort Smith. And I will tell Mm -hmm. you, I was surprised when I went to it as well. So it was like, oh, wow. Okay, good to know. So yeah, I went to it after my book launch for Real Bad Things. Oh, and I it, love that. It was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was it, it was definitely not Los Angeles or Boston. No. <laughs> no. And they still smoke in the bar. Yes, that, that was that amazing. I, I was like, I'm gonna my lungs are dying right now, y'all. <laughs> yeah, same here. You know, that's that's a really big thing too, because that's yeah. That's something having left the South uh, that I, that always shocks me anytime I'm in a situation where they're smoking yeah. on the inside. I'm like, oh, okay, don't you then. Right. <laughs> I'm like, is this Paris? Right. Or rural Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew they were so similar? <laughs> they had no idea. <laughs> they had no idea. Nope. I love the end of the book. And I will say that I love that little tease at the end of the book. So um, is there a book? two of this or will some of the characters just travel on to the next work? I, I have no intentions of writing another book on this. Okay. Um, I, I'm very much a standalone kind of person because when I'm done, I'm like, yep, yep. <laughs> you let your children go. God, right. Yep. So, um, so, so yeah, I kind of, I, I don't like tidy endings. I don't like to write tidy endings. I kind of like things that are a little bit like, oh, interesting. Like almost like choose your own adventure at the end. And it really (laughs) depends on your perspective and how you read the book. And it's so fascinating to me because I say not tidy because uh, I think like in the New York Times, like my only review in the New York Times, I was like, what? Um, (laughs) (sighs) That's lovely said, you know, not a tidy ending. And of course there are people who are like, this isn't a tidy ending. So, you know, you can't please them all, but I do like having kind of making people think and being like, Oh, what is it? What did happen here? Um, So not to say it's not going to, I I don't think I'd write another book, but I do reference other books in new books all Mm -hmm. the time. And so I will reference that for sure. Well, and I like that. And I do think that if you're writing a Southern Gothic or what I might call a situational story, Mm -hmm. situational stories don't typically have a tidy ending because we're looking at a slice of someone's life. So Mm -hmm. we don't, we don't have to have a bow at the end of it because they're going to keep living unless you've killed them off. So it's one. Right. (laughs) Right. And I love those type of books where, and I think too, it just, I, I watch a ton of documentaries. Like I'm a documentary slut, love it. And so often the, the most terrifying are the ones that are kind of ambiguous. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I'm also writing toward my interest in that way. I like it. Are you working on something new? I am. I am. I'm working on, um, I think it's, 
you know, it's the same type of like Southern Gothic crime suspense. Um, and whenever I mentioned this at like Bautricon last year on a panel, I was like, this is impossible to, to talk about and sound interesting <laughs> because it's, it's like a property battle. <laughs> so, but I think I, and again, this is just like me writing towards my interests. I find property battles so fascinating because when you think about it, like that is what people will go to war over is property sure. as we see in the world right now. Yes. And we see it in small towns. Um, and I remember distinctly like being at a gym and I hate the gym, but it was like, Ugh. but I, I, I was at a gym and but only because there was a TV, right? Right in front right. of me. <laughs> I'm like, I hate the gym. But Dateline was on and it was all about this, this terrible situation that happened between these two neighbors where someone ended up dying over a rock that was right. on both yeah. of their properties. And I was like, I, it was so intense. And and my person at the time was like, it's time to go. Where are you going? And I was like, no, we're still the daylight. Kelly's like, I'm going to see the end of this rock one way yeah. or another. So, so, yeah, I'm just like super into property crimes. And I know. Well, it, is, it is something that, I mean, people die over that. I mean, people, people take that property. stuff seriously. I mean, look, if you, you own a piece of property, you own a piece of property. But I mean, there comes a time where someone's life may not be worth a rock, at but, least in my world. <laughs> right, you think about it like in America, and I think about you know, like my dad, it's like he will routinely be like, You come on to my property, son, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, Oh my god, dad, shut up! Right. But you know, it's it's like they never talk about at least it the things I I have paid attention to is that it's never like, if you hurt my person, it's like, you come onto my property. Yes, it's, it's, it's like, cause it's like, it, it it's all encompassing the people in the house. They're my property. Yes. You know? and yes. It's this very kind of masculine viewpoint. And, you know, and not to say that a lot of women aren't doing this, they're taking on, I'm like, they're the foot soldiers of the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i just go random <laughs> but it, i mean it's true ownership is, yeah. is a very big thing it's and it's also how we it's also how we define ourselves you know yeah. it, it, it it's like i'm an only child don't bother with my toys because i will have to cut you so you know i i understand it but it's like you know you have to try to reason it out a little bit so right. <laughs> <laughs> so are you um do you have a launch date for it or are you oh, in no. process of opening? All right. This is this is um in progress and kind of a book I've been working on a while, but I finally got to a point where I could really focus on it. So I finished a draft on December 31st. And so nice. now it's really just taking, you know, the the clay, the material and you know, trying to shape it into something that's interesting. So it'll probably take a while. <laughs> that's all right. I will be all happy. Right. I will be happy when it arrives, Kelly. Oh, so thanks. that would be a good thing. So do you have a social media or website you'd like to share? Sure. I am my website is www.kellyj4.com. Very simple. Yep. And at this point, I'm really only on Instagram. Okay. I kind of shed all the rest and 
I'm uh, I think I'm Kelly J Ford at Kelly J Ford. Oh, I'm oh. Kelly J Ford author because um, I think my name was already taken. So I had to define myself. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I'm having some very issues about that. So totally understand that. So anyway, <laughs> again, the book is called The Hunt. It's by Kelly J. Ford. Thank you, Kelly, for joining me. I had such fun. Oh, my God. I always love speaking with you. It's so fun to see you at conventions. It's awesome. So I Thank love you. it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hang on for me just a second. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Out With Dan. You can find more information about this podcast and its host at outwithdan.com, on Twitter at outwithdan, and on Instagram and Facebook at gooutwithdan. This podcast is hosted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and the theme music is provided by bensound.com. Join us again soon for the next episode of Out With Dan.